there and welcome everyone to Ruin Hammer episode 13. Hey mate, how's it going? Yeah, I'm good. Yourself? Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Very excited um, about tonight. Absolutely. Warriors legend joining us. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, we'll um, obviously we'll get tomorrow night. We'll talk about uh, the weekend's game. Um, Reese Walsh's uh, great debut. Um, plenty to talk about yes plenty indeed. to talk about tomorrow but um yeah we've we don't want to keep our, our guests waiting so we'll bring him in straight away Let's get him in yep um as as everyone knows we've um we're very fortunate to be joined by a man who played uh 76 games for the north queensland cowboys and 150 games for our warriors uh welcome to the show warrior 126 michael luck how are you mike Good, mate. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate the invite and, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. No yeah, worries. awesome. Yeah, well, thanks for joining us. So we'll go back to the very start of the career. Can you tell us where your rugby league journey started for you, uh, where you grew up, and who was your junior club? Yeah, so I'm from a little town about 100 k's west of Brisbane called Gatton. Um, yeah, no, well. uh, so it's, yeah, just a, it's a little farming town, about 5,000 people. Um, and now that's yeah. obviously... 30 years ago now, it's now a suburb of Brisbane that um, people that can't afford to live in Brisbane, you go move out there and commute into town. So, uh, yeah, I had my first game, I think, when I was nine. Um, I was under nines when I first played. And um, I was a pretty big kid. So, I, yeah, it was – I sort of went okay from a from an early age and, um, yeah, started making rep teams, you know, nearly under 12s, I think. I made a, a Darling Downs rep team and, um, yeah, it all kicked on from there. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't get back to getting much now. Most of um, my, my grandparents have, have passed and um, my parents have, have now, they're actually up here in Townsville, um, came up just before I left to New Zealand. So, uh, yeah, I haven't been back there much, but, yeah, it's a, a nice little place, a good place to grow up. You, um, you went to Kerwin State High School and whilst there you were selected for the Australian Schoolboys in mm. 1999. Yeah, Alongside right. other NRL notables, Brayton Nasta, Corey Parker, uh, Jamie Lyon. What was that experience like? Because you guys travelled to England and France that year, was it? Yeah, we did, yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't thought about that for a while. Yeah, we had a crack side. No, I think it was 26 of us that, that went. And I think 15 played first grade and probably 10 blokes played origin out of that team. Um, so, yeah, I was a really good age group. That age group of mine and the one above me. So, you know, Mark Gasney and Jamie Lyon, Brent Tate, Corey Parker, Justin Hodges. Um, yeah, they were, they, that's off the top of my head. There were, there were a couple of really good players in that team. So we had a six-week tour of England, Ireland and France. Um, and so I was still 17, but there were a couple of guys that were 18 in that team. So we had a pretty good time um, over the, the, the few weeks we were over there. But yeah, first time I'd seen snow. And um, I, I didn't make the test team. So we played midweek games against club sides. And then um, the test against England, or Bala, it was British... Academy or whatever it was called. Um, yeah, so I was playing the midweek games where we'd win 60 nil or 70 nil. So I had a great trip. Um, no, <laughs> no one got near us. Uh, and then uh, yeah, on the weekends, we'd just be there to support the, the other boys and um, go a bit of sightseeing in the days off. So it was a wonderful trip. I remember, yeah, so I missed my year 12 graduation uh, and then um, to be on that tour. And we got back only a couple of days before Christmas. So yeah, it was a really, really good trip. First time or second time I've ever been overseas. So yeah. 
magic and some good guys coming out of it too. So. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it sounds like an awesome experience. <laughs> Will you make your NRL debut in round 10 of the 2001 season mm. um, for the Queensland Cowboys in a 24 to 22 loss to the Northern Eagles? So what's your memories of your NRL debut? <laughs> I've got a couple. Um, yeah, remember back in the day, uh, they used to have the Rugby League Week and magazine. Yep, yeah. you, know, you get the ratings in the back, so you open up and have a little spiel about the game. Uh, and I, I remember when I looked at that, um, the the little blurb about the game, uh, whoever was writing the column said it was the worst game of football in living memory. Um, so <laughs> I remember that. I remember it was a, it was a wet uh, evening up in Cairns, of all places, to make your debut. But I do remember... Uh, in the side we played against the Northern Eagles, which is the amalgamation of Manly and North Sydney. Uh, you had Jeff Tuvey played and John Opawati and Steve Menzies and um, some of those guys. And, you know, just, you know, you look back and you pinch yourself that you got to play on the same field as those guys because um, they're, you know, genuine legends of the game. So, uh, yeah, I, I loved it because it was my first game. But um, so that week, so Tim Cheens was our coach then um, and we, we had a pretty bad trot through the next, month or so uh i remember being in a room um that the players called a meeting i don't know a month into my first grade career and it was actually a vote on whether we thought sheensy should be sacked as coach or not and i went jeez i don't want any part of this i love it like you just gave me my debut um i'll make a good match payments here i don't want to vote him out anymore keep picking me um but yeah they so uh, eventually not not long after that um Tim was was uh, giving his marching orders, and then uh, a guy named Murray Hurst took over as coach, and he lasted about I don't know 15 or 16 games, and um, a couple of games in the 2002 season, he was stood down, and um, Graham Murray was then installed as coach. So I think in my first 20 games of NRL, I had three different coaches, and I was going, it's a cutthroat world, um, but you know it's a good introduction. It was good grounding for me to, to. It's a performance industry. If you don't perform, you don't last long. Um, I think that was. That was a, a baptism of fire for me in, in understanding that pretty early. Absolutely. Wow. Hey, wow. That's <laughs> some insight. That's unreal. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Wow. It, it, you know, and it's hard because that, I was 18 at the time. I think I, yeah. I debuted on my day after my 19th birthday, I think. Um, and uh, I, you know, I had no idea what it was all about. It wasn't on big money contract. I might have been on you know, a 25 grand contract or something and making a couple of grand a game match fees. So, I loved it. Um, I was having a great time. Um, I had a pocket full of cash on the weekends. I was going <laughs> and shout, shout all the boys that I went to school with. Um, but then you just walk into a meeting where you got some guys that, uh, you know, that were had played origin and played test match footy. And they're talking about the future of their coach. And I was, it blew me away. So, um, yeah, very good lesson in how cutthroat and how ruthless um, pro sport is right from the get-go. It's, it's funny how naive we can be too, isn't it? Like when we're that young, because we had Peter Hickory on last week and um, he was telling us about when he first came into to first grade, um, he, someone asked him who his manager was and he didn't have a manager. He didn't know what a manager was. He didn't, yep. didn't, yeah, didn't know what it was all about. So, yeah, it's quite yep. eye-opening to see uh, these things going on in the background. Um, mm. Everyone remembers their first NRL try. Do you remember yours? I don't. Um, okay. I don't, well, well, to me, I, I should because I didn't score that many. Um, so, like, like, I, I think it was at Leica. Is it? Were you no, gonna no, say no. It? I was oh, going to yeah. say, say, like many people that we have on who play for other clubs before they come to the Warriors, they tend to score their first try against the Warriors. Oh, so really? you, scored, you scored your first try round thirteen uh, against the Warriors 
2001. So I'm guessing well, you, you don't remember much about that game. <laughs> no, well, back in those days, so you know, I don't know if you boys have ever been up to Townsville. Back in those days, um, that was when the Cowboys were the easy beats, I guess. Uh, yeah. And we we enjoyed our nightlife um, probably more so than what we did during the daytime. So uh, if I did score a try, I'm guess did we win that night? I guess maybe you, um, you won comfortably. You, yeah, you absolutely so gave it to us that night. <laughs> probably didn't remember much of the next few days to be honest, because it would have been one of, the, one of the few wins we had. And we used to celebrate them pretty pretty well. So um, yeah, it's that's good bit of trivia. I'll keep that in my back pocket. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, you, you played you played seventy five games for the Cowboys over mm. over five seasons. But you weren't part of the team for the semi-final run and to the grand final. Mm. Um, so you signed with the Warriors for the 2006 season, um, immediately after the grand final. How did that move come about? Uh, it was a bit different the way I remember it. Um, I, I was sort of up and down in first grade uh, in 2004 and the start of 2005. Um, it was sort of mid-year um, and I was called into the coach's office and he said, look, you know, you're going okay, but there's nothing here for you next year. Um, so at that stage, I guess, I was still, I was doing one subject at uni here at James Cook University. And um, it was sort of a big reality check because I, I didn't, you know, I didn't really have anything else. Um, I was only 22, 23 at that stage. Um, and so I, you know, very quickly got my head around the fact that I might be back in the workforce sooner rather than later. Um, uh, I, I was still playing, you know, 15 or 20 minutes on the bench every weekend. And um, Kevin Campion, who I, I played with at the Cowboys the year before, who was then Ivan's. Ah, uh, sorry, he was with. It was Tony Kemp was the coach of the Warriors yep. in, in 2004. Was yeah, yeah. I the coach in 2005? Um, yeah, 2005. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and Campo rang uh, and he said, "What are you doing?" And I said, "Mate, I, I don't know. I'm not, not doing much." And he said, "Do you want to come over here?" Um, so at that stage, uh, that's, you know, when I, I, I wasn't married then, um, had no kids, really had no ties um, here. And, and um, so I spoke to my manager then and said, do you want to give the Warriors a ring and see if there's anything there? And um, again, it was, it, was, it was an opportunity. It wasn't, it wasn't good cash and, and nor should it have been because I was sort of a, a bench player or, um, you know, decent reserve grade player at best. And uh, so that was about... I don't know, 12 rounds into the season. At that stage, I'd played 10 first-grade games. Uh, I signed with the Warriors um, early one week and I never played first-grade here again. Um, so I then played the rest of the season in the Queensland Cup. Um, our Queensland Cup team was a pretty good side that year. Um, ended up winning the Queensland Cup. Uh, but it got to finals time and the old rules in the Q Cup were that you had to play more of Q Cup than you did uh, of... Um, of NRL um, to qualify for the final. So I ended up playing, I think from memory, if, if I played 10 first grade games that year, I played nine reserve grade games. So I didn't play any any um, of the footy and that was the year. So our reserve grade team won the Queensland Cup and our first grade team uh, played in the grand final against the Tigers. So um, to be honest, I was counting down the days um, before I could get out because I knew I'd played my last game in sort of, you know, late August here. Um, and I knew that there was a fresh start for me in Auckland. And, um, you know, it was great to see a lot of guys that I knew and had uh, I'd played a lot of footy with playing, having great success. Um, I was ready to go. So, um, yeah, you know, a fortnight after they played that grand final in early October, I think, in 2005, I was on a plane to Auckland and, um, yeah, like, you know, threw myself into it straight away. The, the move to New Zealand must have been a bit of a culture shock going from that, Beautiful warm weather of North Queensland to the cold and wet of uh, of Auckland. Yeah. Yep. 
so we, we, I think it was maybe late October um, 2005 that we landed over there. I landed over there late on that midnight flight um, that gets in. Um, we were staying at Nathan Fiend's place for the first week or so till we found somewhere to live. So um, I think uh, Feeney came and picked us up. It, was a, it, was, it could have been a Friday night. We, we got over there and I was freezing straight away. First yeah. thing we did on Saturday morning, I went to Dress Mart on Ihaya and I bought about 500 bucks worth of warm clothes because I didn't own a tracksuit top, you know, any, any, I, you know, a pair of jeans that I wore going out Saturday night and that was about it. So, um, yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah, vividly that that was the first thing we did on Saturday. Went and had brekkie and then went shopping. Um, yeah, but yeah, absolutely culture shock. I mean, I guess you know I was very naive and very sheltered growing up. I sort of never left too far from where I grew up, and um, that's down in Gatton, which is you know a, a white working class town, um, farming town. And then came up here to Townsland. I guess I probably thought every brown person in New Zealand was a Mary and um, I'd get over there and I'm surrounded by Tongans and Samoans straight away. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, a, again, a big eye opener. Uh, but one that I, I loved, I loved from the get-go. Um, the, I think we, we, we might have went into the Warriors set up on maybe the Monday, say. I've been there two days. Um, and just, I, I would just remember how welcome I was made to feel from everyone, from everyone, from straight away. Um, so Ivan was a coach. I'd never met Ivan before. I talked to him on the phone. Um, I knew Campo. Um, uh, who else was there? Johnny Acklin was there then. Uh, and then all the, the S&C staff. And um, then the players started dribbling day by day. And it was just un- unbelievable. So, you know, it's a big move, I guess. Yeah. A, yeah, a big absolutely. move for anyone to move countries. Um, you know, and we, we ask young kids to do it over here now. And, and I guess, you know, I was 23. So I had, a, you know, at least I had a couple of dollars in my pocket to get myself by if, if things went wrong. But uh, I just still remembered how vulnerable I felt when you get off the plane and, you know, you don't know where you are and you, you, you don't know anyone around you. Um, but I, I can't say enough about how the people over there made me feel welcome straight away. I'm just yeah, so fortunate that I had that um, group of, of friends and, and group of people at the Warriors that just sort of pulled us in straight away. And you know, there was myself, George Gaddis, Grant Ravelli, I think all came in that one plane load over uh, and yeah, all of us yeah. just loved it from the get-go. It was awesome. Yeah, we obviously did a few things right because you, you make your club debut for the Warriors in a round one loss to Melbourne. Mm. So you became Warrior number 126. Yep. So what memories do you have of your of Warriors debut? I remember it was a sunny afternoon in Mount Smart and I remember that was the last game I ever played where I didn't take my head up. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I never I, I never used to, and you know, I obviously played the next seven years with it done and that was because that game, I went and made a tackle in my left ear, nearly got ripped off. Um, so uh, then the next week, I think from memory, we played at Parramatta. Uh, we played Parramatta at Hamilton, I think. Um, yes. Correct. And I wore headgear that night. Uh, and I used to ring dad after the game and, you know, he'd, be, he'd give me good critical feedback. Uh, yeah. And uh, I think we might have oh, we might have just lost to Parramatta. Anyway, we rang him and said, what do you think, dad? He said, if you wear that headgear again, don't come home for Christmas. I said, all right, <laughs> done. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that, that was the last time I wore headgear. I take my head up from then on. Um, uh, but yeah, I, that, my debut game. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think I, I don't know the score, but I don't think we were we were badly beaten, and that was a good Melbourne Storm team. That, yeah, 22-16. That yeah. yeah. So um, I think we took plenty out of that game and that first sort of. I, I actually was. Did we get strip salary cap points or something just before was, that? Yeah. yeah like a couple I, of weeks I was going to say. So. Yeah, that, that um, 2006 season, we did start with 
um, I think four. Yeah, we were minus four. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, that was interesting. You know, I guess, but I was always great um, with that. You know, there was never any pressure on us to, to to go and chase points or anything like that. We're always about building and what we're going to do. And um, and then that 2005 season, you know, I think we we finished the year pretty well. And, um, uh, from memory, if we wouldn't have had those points strip, we would have snuck into the eight, um, which was I think was a good result for. We had a lot of young guys, a lot of I guess guys like me that not not rejects from other clubs, but just guys looking for an opportunity. Um, yeah. And we all sort of got in and dug in together with those the guys that were there previously. Um, and we had a, it was I just remember it being such a good good environment to, to play in, to train in. Um, we spend a lot of time on the road. Um, I just remember how much fun we used to have. Um, it was never a burden, I guess, selfishly for me, I didn't have a family or anyone to go home to, but um, even, you know, we get home from a weekend away and if you ask guys to, to come and, you know, we'd go and have a beer somewhere when we got home, there'd be half the team there straight away. Um, just we enjoyed each other's company so much and I think the core of that team then stayed together for five, six, seven years and that's, you know, that was a, a pretty good period for the Warriors, so... Yeah, well, as you said, there was a really strong finish that 2006 season. We won eight of the last 12 games and mm. we only missed out on the finals because of those four deducted yeah. points. So yeah. that, that must have given the squad a really big boost heading into the 2007 season because we picked up some some key players there with like Wade McKinnon and these kind mm. of guys as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, well, I guess when you – and it's now, that's, you know, that, what's that, 15 years ago nearly. Um, it's – it's uh, it all, you know, all the pre-seasons sort of fold into one. But, um, yeah, I remember uh, – I reckon that that could have been a pre-season where we, we started really doing a lot of lot of endurance training. And, and Craig Walker, who Ivan brought over from the Roosters to be our head of um, conditioning or, or, you know, head of performance or whatever his role was um, – he, he was from the old school rooster, like Ricky Stewart school of training where, you know, those blokes would, they would get belted. Um, and he, you know, he tells legendary stories of um, that old team of the roosters where they had Morley and um, Crocker and uh, Fitzgibbon and those, those guys where they'd go and do a hundred, hundred metre sprints and then have 10 minutes off and do 50. Yeah. They do 20 K worth of interval training um, on a day. I think that 2007 preseason, that was the year we, we sort of ramped up a little bit and, um, we started doing longer volume type sessions and um, yeah, I guess I was never, I, you know, I never had fitness problems, but I never really loved running until then. Um, and I think that pre-season was the one where I really got my head around um, what being an endurance athlete um, looked like. And then that I, I ended up being okay at that. So that's sort of the role that I found myself in then the next five or six years where um, my role was just to, to start the game and stay on and not make mistakes and not miss tackles and, um, just hold the middle of the field and, you know, not have to make an interchange there. So, um, yeah, I remember that that being the start of that era. It was, yeah, it was pretty good. The end of that, that 2006 season, you got named Clubman of the Year. Um, mm. That must have been a pretty huge honour considering the pedigree of some of the, your teammates. Yeah, um, and Clubman of the Year, it's always the the, it's the ugly stepsister award. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he was okay on the field, um, you know. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't most improved. But yeah, we'll just he's give. A good, him he's a good bloke. Yeah, yeah. Good bloke, hey, so. hey, hey, Roger, Roger was Clubman of the Year last year. It's not I, a bad. I, hey, hey don't, I'm not saying that. Roger's <laughs> the best player in the comp um, by a long way. So, um, no, I, I guess again, selfishly, I had no family. Um, my wife. Um, now my wife hadn't come over yet so um, I was I never was home you know I was always around the club and 
just doing things with with players and um, you know, I guess my attitude from that year is the kind of players that I'm looking to sign now um, for this group in Townsville, the the glue, I guess, you know, the the ones that are have. Um, you know, they're pretty selfless and, and just would, would rather be at work than at home. So, um, yeah, that, that was me. And, um, you know, so George Gaddis and I lived together in a little townhouse in Ellerslie, um, right next to the Southern Motorway. Uh, so even when we're home, you couldn't sleep because the freeway noise was right next to your window. So, um, yeah, no, it was, it was good. Good time. It was such good memories from that, that period. It was awesome. Yeah, well, the 2007 season sees us finally return to finals footy mm. for the first time since 2003. So what are your memories of that season in particular? Because we, we had a we had a fairly good start, a bit of a barren middle, and then we, we came home with a wet sail there. Yeah. The top four. I, honestly, I don't remember much apart from the two finals games. Um, I remember the – so because we went out in straight sets, I think, right? We, we um, had that first yep. game at home against Para. Yeah, Parramatta and, the and what yeah. I do remember is that that was the first, you know, sort of blackout, mouse smart yeah, blackout was, yeah. um, of my year there, and um, just blown away eh? um, about how how passionate, how rabid people were that week, and um, yeah, that was that was amazing. Uh, and then oh seven, did we get beaten by the Titans? Maybe the week after? No, oh, no, we we travelled up to Townsville. Oh to right, yeah, how do I forget. And remember, and remember, they made us wear the black jerseys yeah, in the I afternoon that. heat. I remember that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I shouldn't forget that. So, I, uh, obviously, that was a homecoming for me, and I was looking to sort of square up on the team that, that um, I felt uh, had punted me a couple of years earlier. Uh, and so my mum and dad, have all, they, they, as I said, they moved up to Townsville and they were, te- they were Cowboys members straight away and they had um, seats in the, in the sort of western stand just behind the opposition bench, which they still do to this day. Um, and, uh, I, I, you know, I'd seen mum and dad. We went up there on the Friday for a Sunday game, so I saw mum and dad on the Saturday and caught up with them. Um, and then I got to the footy and we went out to warm up. We warm up on the main field and I look around and mum's wearing a Cowboys jersey. And mum... <laughs> Number one son, we're playing a you know a qualifying final. Um, yeah, she's loyal, so um, yeah. So that day, uh, yeah, I remember that uh, we, we came out and um, one of the first tackles of the game, I had a pretty big head collision and had a massive cut across here that I had to go off and they wrapped up. Um, and then we, I think, we were sort of in it till just before half time, and we conceded a couple yeah. of soft tries just before half time, and it was one way traffic after that. So. Um, yeah, not a great homecoming. I, I remember on the because we had a charter flight, we had to get back to Brisbane, um, and so I got on that plane still with bandage around my head. And the doc, Doc Mayhew, said, "I'm going to have to stitch that up. It can't wait." Um, I said, "All right, we'll, we'll lie down. You know, we lay down the um, put up the armrests in the in the seats, and I lay down three times." And uh, Doc Mayhew didn't tell me that altitude you bleed a lot more. So he, we laid towels down the floor underneath my head, and he stuck anaesthetic in it, and it just started. Piece and blood for, you know, it, it took him 20 minutes longer than usual to stitch it because it was bleeding so much. So, um, didn't take me too many beers to get happy that night. I'll tell you, um, yeah, but yeah. unhappy, uh, unhappy homecoming for me. That's for sure. I, I know how you feel seeing family members wearing the the opposition jersey. I, I played junior grades for North Sydney and got as far up as um, President's Cup and Reserve Grade. 
and my sister and brother are mad manly supporters. And when we played manly, they'd rock up wearing their manly gear. So yeah, yeah. I, I know how that feels. That's shocking. Yeah, and, and yeah, um, what dad dad didn't wear a Warriors jersey. He, he just seems wearing neutral shirt. Like, yeah, watch out. Yeah, so dad, where, where are you? Yeah, uh, that's people up here. Um, and you know what? And that's well, I guess we'll talk about that later on, maybe. But that's why I came home. Um, because you know, when, when you you find your way into to um someone's psyche or, or what you know this community up here is about rugby league there's nothing else there's no union there's no yep. afl it's rugby league and that that's what the great thing is about this part of the world so um yeah it, you know it's disappointing to see that uh, but you know in retrospect you know i, I just that makes me appreciate um you know this club and, and this region so much more that um, 2007 season, you've, your great club form is rewarded with a call-up for the Queensland State of Origin squad as injury oh, yeah. cover. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, you didn't get to play, but what was that Origin camp experience like for you? I was only there a couple of days. Um, so I think we, we played the Titans on a Saturday night uh, and then Neville Costigan, who was um, in the in, on the bench for that Queensland side, he broke his hand on maybe Sunday. Um and I know Nev well now. He lives up here in Townsville and there's still debate about how he did that. But they said he did it in a training incident. Um, knowing Nev the way that I do, I reckon he might have did it in a bar room incident. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think the truth will ever come out. Um, the, yeah, so I, only, I went and... <laughs> yeah, no, no. It was, uh, I, I guess, mate. And Nev stayed in camp the whole time. So um, we, I got called in maybe Monday. So I only had two nights in camp before the game. But again, just, you know, blown away to be in the same hotel room as um, the calibre of some of those guys. And that, that was the start of that great Queensland origin dynasty with uh, obviously the guys that are my age. So Tatey and Parker and Hodges and those blokes that I already knew. And, um, you know, Cameron Smith's a year younger than me. Um, JT's a year younger than me, so I knew all those guys, but um, the older blokes, you know, he still had, um, Pricey was still there, I think, um, Webke and Sidney Seaver and those guys, so just, it's um, it's amazing, it's just a, you know, it's like a, a crash university course in, in a couple of days on what it takes to be a professional and compete at that level, so, um, yeah, didn't get to go on, I think, so I think Queensland were already up 2-0 at that stage yeah. in that series, so I think they lost that night that I was there. Um, but it was still, you know, it was a great, great night to be a part of and um, play at Lang Park and, um, you know, be on the bus with them and their families and all that sort of stuff after. So, yeah, wonderful. I think I think you were desperately unlucky to not get another call up there. Yeah, um, I think so too. For the, for the Queensland team. And yeah, just part of that era, you know, and they had um, Dallas uh, Johnson who, who played that middle forward role. Um, he got very knocked out that ride. night as well. He did, I think. yeah. One of yeah. the first tackles, so he was <laughs> yeah. unconscious. Um, and, and he could have used you. On the, on the <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, no, I, you know, I, I would love to play Origin, but um, you're never going to uh, have any, any drama with not getting picked for some of those guys they had in that era. They're, yeah. they're just a, a wonderful um, period for Queensland Rugby League. And, um, you know, hopefully we're at the, the start of that again now with, with some of the guys we've got coming through. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed for sure. <laughs> um, so you're again named Clubman of the Year at the end of 2007 season. So again, it, mu it must be just an awesome feeling knowing that you're held in such high regard in the yeah. club. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, I can't say anymore. I, I love the place. Um, I had such a great time there. And, um, you know, people, the club was great to me. The people there were good to me. I had... Um, a great uh, network of friends outside of footy as well. Um, you know, all the Kelston boys, um, good mate of mine, Dave McDermott, um, and, and all that crew from out there. 
and you know the illicit boys up on K Road. Um, you know we used to knock around and play touch in the off season, and you know that. So they had that crew, and then um, got another a good group of friends down in Mangaree Bridge, um, Daryl and Rhiannon Boltman, and all those guys down there. So you know I just had. You know, I was never looking, you know, I never felt lonely. Um, that's, I guess, you know, in reflection now, the, one of the best things about being in New Zealand is that just everywhere you went, everyone always made you feel at home. They welcomed you into, into their home, and um, you know, for a meal, for a beer, for whatever. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a lesson that I've taken out of that um, from home life, you know, um, that how the kindness of other people make your life so much easier. Um, you know, I hope now that that's what I'll, what I'll be able to um, demonstrate and, and, and be an example to my boys so they do that when they grow up, you know. Wow. That's, um, yeah, that's awesome, bro. Yeah. The, um, the 2008 season, we finished with a flurry. We win seven of our last eight games, finishing eighth. Yep. We won Melbourne and create history by being the first eighth-place team to beat the minor premiers under that McIntyre system. What do you remember about that game? Um, oh, well, because that's probably the most replayed game. You know, I don't watch a lot sure, of yes. uh, old games. Yeah. But whenever you know, whenever there's a Storm um, Warriors game coming up, they always tend to replay that one. So, um, yeah, just a, again, a really courageous effort, and we were probably written off, and no one gave us a chance. And um, you know, everyone remembers that try that Witty scored at the end that you know Manu and Jerome set up. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a really good day, uh, and and yeah, we had a bit of a rivalry already with Melbourne. I think they, they, and that was a period where I guess there was a perception that they they played pretty dirty footy um, and and wrestling the you know the grappling and all that sort of stuff. So um, I remember you know Ian Henderson before that game was playing hooker for us, and he was nearly beside himself during the game just about how how much he wanted to win and how much he wanted to to beat. Um, you know, Melbourne at their own game. And um, if you watch that game, you, you have a look how aggressive he was and some of the stuff that he was doing was awesome. in, in tackles, yeah. you know. <laughs> he, he probably should add some time in the sim bin at times during that game. But yeah, it was, it was wonderful. Um, yeah, really good night. And then, um, you know, I hope we're going to talk about it. We'll, we get to go home next week and we play that game against the, against the Chooks yep. at Mount Smart. Um, yeah, one of the, the fondest memories of my career um, was that game. Uh, that night and yeah, everyone always they show the, the big hits of, of Ruben Wiki and uh, C. Soliola uh, that's probably the, the biggest highlight of that game but I just remember you know Lance scored a good try and Aiden Kirk um, winger we had then um, capped it all Captain off for Kirk, us and, yeah, yeah um, and the, the run and joke we used to have was so Kirk he scored the try um, and sort of lay on the ground by himself for 20 seconds because everyone jumped over the top of him and went and celebrated with the crowd um, <laughs> And uh, Brent Tate, who's you know a good mate of mine now, uh, Tate, he was the first one. He sort of jumped straight over the top of Kirky and went and led up to the crowd. So, um, yeah, it was awesome. Such a good night. Yeah, it's a really, really good memory. Rob, was, yeah. uh, Rob, was there a question you wanted to ask about that try? About, oh, yeah, the try, just going back to the previous week, the, 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 the Michael Witt try where he held yeah. the ball up yep. above his head. Um I mean, what were you thinking when you saw him doing that? And also, what did what did Feeney say to Cam Smith when he was on the ground? Did you, did you catch any of that <laughs> yeah, spray? I, I don't know. I, you know, you, you try and lip read him every time, still it comes on. I don't think it was very kind, put it that way. No, no I don't um, think so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and like, to be honest, 
boys, I was that tired at the end of that game. Um, I had uh, so a couple of games, probably a month ago in the season, um, I broke collarbone um, that year and uh, went and had a, a X-ray on it, and it was sort of a thumbnail piece of collarbone. Um, at the end of this shoulder and the doc said look you can let it heal which is probably a, a six-week sort of process or we can go in we can take that bit out and then we can just strap your shoulder up and um, you know once your wound's healed basically you can play again um, and so I opted to do the second option when in had surgery on about a Tuesday and I played 10 days later uh, I think our last game of the year was against Parramatta um, over at Parramatta and then we, we went back so I only played half a game-ish against Parra and then um, I'm not sure if I went the distance that day at Melbourne but I just remember being so tired like so underdone because I hadn't trained I hadn't done any contact work hadn't you know, hadn't barely trained for a month um, and, and just so relieved to get that result so um, yeah uh, got through and then we played the Chooks and won um, and then oh, and then we, we got beat by Manly like annihilated by Manly and so that's the year that they were all in the calves' blood. Uh, so I work with Glenn Hall now, um, who, who played for that yeah, yeah. Manly team. Uh, yeah. And so if you look back at that that Manly semi-final series, uh, so I think they beat St George in week one, 32-6. Um, they beat us, then they had the week off. They beat us in week three, about 36-6. Was yeah, it the same, same yeah, school, something like that? Yep. Yeah. And then uh, they, they won the grand final 40 nil. Uh, and, I, and then after that, that's when they, you know, they had the controversy about the peptides and all that sort of stuff. And um, whenever Hawley gets cheeky and has a few beers and it reminds me that he got a premiership ring and I don't, I said, mate, well, that, that belongs to me because you were cheating that year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it must have been a bit of pill to swallow, though, to fall just short of that grand final. Yeah, and I think more so for Ruben. You know, that was Ruben's last yeah. year. That ended up being Ruben's last game. It was a pretty heavy loss. So, um, yeah, I, for, as a team, it was disappointing, but um, more so for Rubes, I guess. Um, you, you never want to see a legend of the game go out like that. And, um, yeah, a disappointing way to end a really good season. You know, well, we started that good run of wins in his 300th game at Leichhardt, um, you know, midway through the year. So, uh, yeah, I think we were, that's when we all grew the beards and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, um, we right, yeah. used it as a, as a tribute to Ruben that last couple of months of the season. So, um, yeah, I was more, I was more upset that, that, um, we couldn't deliver Ruben, a, you know, a premiership the way that a bloke like him deserved to go out. Yeah. yeah. Well, unfortunately, heading into the 2009 season, tragedy strikes when Sonny Fires is taken. A little visitor. Uh, yeah. Hey, mate. <laughs> hello. Hey, mate. How are you going? Saying hello. You want to go to bed now? <laughs> you should have been in bed an hour ago. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, nah, yeah, sorry. no worries. Yeah. 2009, yeah, unfortunately, tragedy strikes with Sonny Fye is, is taken by the sea, um, trying to save his younger brother and cousins. Mm. That must have been a real difficult time for the club there. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, horrible. Uh, and, and I guess we had a few older guys um, sort of leave us that, that year before. So that was Rubes last year and a couple other guys. Maybe that was Waringies last year too. Um, I can't remember. But I, I, what I do remember is that there was, uh, there was a lot of um, young guys that were that were all part of Sonny's crew, like Russ and um, you know Kevin Locke and Benny Madalino and those guys that um, you know I guess just this was a you see out of the blue for them and something that they had hadn't had to deal with. Like none of us had, um, I guess. And uh, yeah, it was a, a horrible time. Um, and you know we 
I remember that, that first day of training we went in and um, Donnie Mann was the footy manager, um, told us what had happened and um, uh, you know, asked if we want to go out there. Um, and straight away, we just jumped in the cars and went out to Bethel's and you know, we were there for, for a couple of days um, looking and I think you know, the realism set in after day two. Uh, and I guess you know, then it was about just supporting Sonny's family and, um, and his partner at the time and, and all that sort of stuff. And I, again, it just that was another example to me of how um, wonderful that Polynesian culture is around, um, around the grieving process and, and all that sort of stuff. I, I was blown away um, about how, how much support that, uh, that, that was around you know, the whole community at that stage. So, um, yeah, horrible time. But, um, again, the, the best part of, of people... <laughs> Sorry. That's all right, mate. That part was just, I guess, uh, an example to me again of, of how to treat people when they're, they're not feeling their best. And, um, you know, the, around Saint's funeral we, we had down there and um, what happened after that, uh, I'll never forget that. Just the, how, it, you know, it was a, a horrible, horrible situation, but almost ended up like a celebration of a young man's life, like it should be. Um, you know, a wonderful young bloke. Um, cut down his prime by saving his brother. Um, you know, there's not much more you can say about it. There's no, um, you know, it just, it, it explains what sort of bloke he was and how he was brought up and how his family is, you know. Yeah, that, that, that whole season was pretty much a write-off too. I think mm. seven wins and two draws and the form was pretty erratic. It was a, a win scattered amongst, uh, you know, consecutive losses in that. Yeah. Do you think Sonny's death uh, impacted the squad that deeply that footy just became um, not as important that season for the boys? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you often think back now about how it could have been handled differently and how we could have approached it differently and done things differently. I don't think we could have. Um, I think it's just it happened so suddenly and so tragically and so close to the season that, I, you know, I don't think there's any crisis management um, platform you can use to, to try and overcome that. Um, Everyone you know, as a, differently too. You know? That's right, that's right, yeah. And the way that um, I process things like that is the way it's very different to how um, Benny Madalino did it, very different to how Steve Price did it. Um, yeah. So uh, there was all of us sort of going through this journey together and everyone handling it differently. And, uh, um, you know, I, I just – I remember – halfway through the year I think you know we weren't going great um and Ivan was coming under pressure about you know how he was doing a poor job and all this sort of stuff and I just again that was another example to me of how ruthless the the world that we're operating in is it's a it's a performance business yep. and there's no excuses for for poor performance so um I think uh, again in hindsight now I'm really grateful to the to the administration of the club at the time for letting us get through that year and let us stick together and you know we got out the other side of it and we're a better team than in those couple of years after it yeah absolutely yeah well you mentioned steve price earlier well the next the following season 2010 uh pricey announces his retirement due to an ongoing heel injury and mm. he didn't actually end up playing any games in 2010 um what was he like as a player and a captain uh, yeah, obviously, you know, his, his record speaks for itself. So, um, you know, Pricey was the the premier middle forward of his era, I guess, um, I guess, and, and started the, the 
I guess the preference for dominant, um, you know, big meter middle forwards. And then, uh, you know, if you look at the comp now, there's not that many that go and churn out. We've got a pretty good one here in Jason Tamalolo that, that does a fair job. But um, across the game now, there's, you know, it's probably more even um, with, with meter. Um, gaining and a lot of that comes from outside backs and you know Rogers the best example at the Warriors he's a fullback and he, he has most meters a game um, yep. you know hands down so uh, but back then that was the, the year of punching through the middle and um, playing fast footy and Pricey was the, was the benchmark for that for a long time and um, I guess as a captain he was uh, he, he led by example he led by example at training um, and during games and he showed us what it meant to be professional. Um, you know, Pricey, well, I guess, was a famous teetotaler when he played, didn't have a drink. And, um, you know, um, we always had the joke that um, you go around to Pricey to have a beer with his wife, Joe, because she was better company than he was. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, he, he, you know, Pricey, he, he, was, he showed us what it meant to be an NRL player. Um, and everything he did, his, his whole life was revolved around getting ready for next week and get ready for next week's game. And he, he played till he was older, Ish as well. I think he was mid-30s by the time he, yep. he gave it up. Um, and there's a reason for that because he looked after himself and everything he did was about getting ready for the next game. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, awesome experience to be able to be captain by him and play beside him and, and behind him for, for as long as I did. Um, certainly there's some great lessons that came out of him that, uh, that you know, I, I probably didn't get to put into practice because I retired at 30. Um, but now I see guys that, that um, I'm responsible for day to day. And, um, you know, I could just keep going back to that. If you, you, you can't play up like an idiot from Monday to Friday and, and expect to play well Saturday night, you know, and, and Pricey was the one that, that was probably the first one that, that Penny dropped for me to watch how he did things and um, how, how then he was able to play consistently for so long. So yeah, it was great, unbelievable. I was so lucky to, to play beside him. Yeah, he was a massive signing for us. I remember how excited we all were when he first came to the club too. So yeah. that, um, that 2010 season, we bounced back from the disappointment of 2009. Um, yep. The regular season in fifth spot. And then we played the Titans and we're beaten by them in that first semi-final and have mm -hmm. to wait for the results of the other games. And as luck would have it, uh, I think it was the Raiders. And yeah, we, we got done, didn't we? Yeah. Um, sure yeah. Did. yeah. Uh, I think I remember Raiders that. And the Roosters, the Roosters beat the Tigers in that uh, yeah, gold point. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 What, um, what are your memories of that time? Because uh, you know, finishing fifth, we probably thought that we'd be around for the second week of semis, and bang bang. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I remember. Um, so I think we were the we might have been the Friday night game. We were. Um, we were, the yep, we were yes, yeah. the first first game. Yeah. So we. Uh, so. Yeah, we only needed one of the teams below us to. Or we needed two teams below us to win, and you would think one v eight was a was a gimme. Um, so I think we went home licking our wounds, but thinking we were um, we were going to be okay. We got off the plane in Auckland, and one of the teams had lost that we needed to win, and so we. I think uh, from memory, um, that would have been the Roosters Tigers game. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was the first game. Then um, I sort of, I said, well, well, we might as well go and have dinner or have a beer or something and wait for the result of the second one. Uh, and uh, the second game, we, um, yeah, I think from memory, I was, I was in Ponsonby somewhere. We used to hang out at Grayling RSA a little bit, so I might have been up there, um, near there. So uh, I think then the second game, turned and then that was nearly the first days of mobile phones so the text just went out and said 
boys, not much we can do there, and I'd better go and um, celebrate the season. So, um, yeah, it was uh, a, a tricky way to, to go out, but um, you know, I guess you get what you deserve, and we should we should have beaten the Titans that night over in at the Gold Coast, and. Um, that time of year, it's it's sudden death footy. So um, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I guess good good experience for a lot of our um, our younger guys that um, might have got a chance in the future, uh, and, and we're better for it next year. Feel better well, time. Just 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 while we're still on twenty ten. We go to bed at ten o'clock. Ten o'clock? No, he's, he's the one. No, we actually do. <laughs> Um, you sustained a nasty injury against Manly at Brookvale Oval in round 24. Yeah. Uh, what, what happened there? Oh, yeah, the, yeah leg. Um, so, uh, yeah, just making a regulation tackle, I think, and my sort of lower body swung around. I hit Anthony Watmo's boot, um, and he sprained his ankle. We, we both ended up in the Manly change room together, and he had, a, I think, a high ankle sprain. Um, and... Yeah, mine was a bit more gruesome than that. Um, so yeah, just just took the I guess the top layer of, of skin and um, flesh off off my leg, and uh, yeah, ended up uh, actually was a, that's a good memory that night. So the I went to Royal North Shore Hospital um, in Sydney. I still had all my kit on. Turned out the ER, the the doctor in charge of the ER that night was a Manly fan and had been at the game, um, and he sort of said to me, Are "You in much pain?" I said, no, "Not really, but." I'll take painkillers if you're going to give them to me. <laughs> so he, uh, he he gave me the green whistle and said, "Here, I'll I'll get to you when I can." Like we're in a triage situation, you know. We'll get some weird things happening here tonight, so um, just hang tight and I'll get to you. And I'll say you up when I can. So I sat there with like an open wound on my leg um, and just with towels and stuff wrapped around it. And every so often he'd come and nudge me and say, "All right, got a live one coming." And you know, there was people that had. You know, high on ice or, um, you know, just just crazy stuff. So they'd, they'd get the overflow from what happens in King's Cross that they couldn't fit in some bennies um, in, in the middle of Sydney. So yeah, it was a wild old night. Uh, and then he finally got to me, I think, uh, mid-morning mid, mid um, on Sunday morning. And uh, Laurie Hale, who was uh, our um, gear manager at the time, so Loz is still there at the, at the, is, yep. at the moment. Yeah, um, He stayed behind with me and... Uh, we, I stayed in hospital that night, um, and I was in a, I was in a ward with three old ladies, um, and uh, it was a, that was a rough night because uh, you know, those old ladies are pretty sick, um, some of them. So the, as soon as daylight next morning, I rang Laurie. I said, "Mate, I'm getting a cab. We're going to the airport. Let's just get on the first plane home." So I checked myself out of hospital, and, and we went back to Auckland. So. Uh, <laughs> I haven't thought about that for a long time. Thanks for bringing that up. It was a, it was a fun yeah. night. Yeah, no worries at all. <laughs> We're moving on now to 2011. Yeah. Our season started out quite emotionally with the, the Christchurch earthquakes in mm. February of that year. Do you remember the emotional tension within uh, New Zealand at that time? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and because um, a good mate of mine, Corey Laurie, um, is down there. Uh, and Corey played at the Warriors um, yeah, 2008, that. nine maybe. Um and he'd gone back down there and he, he was heavily mixed up with the Hornby Panthers. And I think over at Hornby, they didn't have a lot of damage in that part of town, but you know, everywhere else, obviously devastated. So um, we went down there later in that year and we did a few fundraiser things. And um, yeah, I, you know, I just, again, remember how at that time, uh, how resilient Kiwis are and how um, welcoming everyone is of each other and how supportive they are of each other. You know, like people were donating stacks and stacks of money and um, whatever they could to help make things right. So, um, again, just to, you know, 
I'm not, I'm not just saying this. So New Zealanders are, are wonderful, wonderful people. And, um, it's no surprise to me that you know, New Zealand got through last year um, with the COVID stuff better than anywhere else in, in, in the world because everyone is considerate of each other and um, you know, they, they uh, want to make sure that, that their neighbours looked after them. That was very, very apparent that early 2011 when the earthquake happened. Um, our run to the finals that season is set up with a run of nine wins and 11 games during the middle of the season. Aside mm -hmm. from the finals campaign, which we will mm -hmm. discuss in a minute, what are your memories of the actual season proper? Um, now you put me on the spot. <laughs> no, no, I just, I reckon it was a year that we started playing. I guess we'd still been sporadic. And, yeah, the, the Aussie commentators, I'll say it until they're, they're in their graves. It, it's the Warriors, they, you know, they, they'll come out full of blood and thunder and then they run out of gas after 10 minutes and they're forged yep. and unfit and all this sort of stuff. I think that year was the first year... Um, and really probably only year in my time there that we, we actually played good consistent footy um, you know throughout the year and I think we we had a good you know, yeah what we did have was a really good squad so not only a good top 17 but we had great guys in underneath that and um, you know I still say to this day that I, I got to you know I got to play a couple of games with Johnny Thurston um, you know I played with Shawnee Johnson I played with Stacey Jones you know one of the best halves ever to live and um, you know, I played with Brett Seymour that year, uh, and, and Brett Seymour was one of the smartest halves I ever played with. And, um, you know, it was like having a coach on the field when you were when you had him beside you. And then when he was in the the reserve grade team, the team that were preparing you during the week, it was like you had a, a Dally M winning halfback playing against you. So the way that he prepared um, to for us to play against a, a, you know opposition on the weekend was unbelievable, and that I think that made us played good steady footy and um you know jimmy maloney had a had a good year that year and was probably that's the year he matured and he went from being a a, a clown that just would joke around all the time and that's sort of the year that he, he stepped up and, and took the bull by the horns and you know said he i guess stamped himself as an nrl champion um and we didn't win that year but he, he won one uh, a couple of years later so uh yeah great a great roster we had um, and again, just a, a really good group of blokes that, um, you know, both on and off field that, that we had a, a lot of fun with and love spending time together. We, we mentioned his name earlier, but there was a young kid by the name of Sean Johnson who made his debut in round 13 that season. <laughs> so what do you remember thinking when he came into first grade? Uh, I, yeah, I was, I was sceptical. Um, like I saw the kid that... Uh, you know, headgear wearing touch player. Um, and I thought, yeah, he was good in those old 20s teams of the Warriors because they just used to destroy everyone. And I was really sceptical of how he'd go in first grade. Um, but turns out that he, uh, he went okay. So, um, yeah, just, you know, back then I was super proud of our him, um, Kevin Locke, Russell Packer, Benny Madalino, all those guys that were only 20, 21. Um, they were playing some high-pressure games and coming up with some big plays, you know. Um, and Shawnee, I guess that, that finals game in Melbourne um, when he put Louis Brown over for the try they end up winning it, that, that's, that's a massive play. Um, yeah. for, for an experienced half, let alone a rookie. So, um, yeah, no, no. He, he just he, There's some blokes in playing the game that can do things that are very, very rare. And Shawnee, Shawnee can do it. Yeah, Benji Marshall could do it. Kalen can do it now. Um, but, yeah, I guess I was lucky that I played with Shawnee in his years where he still had no fear and, uh, and, and there was, he was unencumbered by ex weight of expectation or anything like that. And he, he played some wonderful footy that year. Yeah. We, um, we finished that season in sixth spot. 
how did it feel making the finals again and did the quick elimination of 2010 seem to come back and haunt you after that Broncos loss in that first semi? Oh, not really, not really. We knew we had an off night, you know. Um, I think, um, you know, we got back in the sheds after that game and, and Manu was distraught. I think Manu dropped a couple of balls that night and he, he was just so upset. Um, and, you know, I guess he was out if, he, if we were going to get another chance. Um, he didn't make up for it. And, um, you know, I think he, he did a great job the, the following week to pick himself up. And that that was, again, the evolution of Manu um, to, to go from, you know, a guy that could have good weeks and bad weeks. And uh, he had a bad night that night in Brisbane and then, and then picked himself up and um, was enormous for the rest of that final series. So, uh, yeah, well, I, no, not, not really. I thought we, we got beaten. We got beaten by a better side. They played good footy. We didn't play great. Um, and, I, you know, I guess the lessons of a couple of years prior where you get knocked out uh, in without um, play, getting a, a second crack, that, that's the one that sort of reinforced. If you do get a second go, don't waste it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't. Um, and the next week we went over the Tigers, yeah. So yeah. that was a good win. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, luckily, luckily we didn't get uh, dudded by the McIntyre system because both the Cowboys and the Knights were beaten to yeah. Manly and Melbourne, respectively. So we progressed <laughs> through. So it was how how difficult was it to move on from that performance to to leading up to that Tigers game? As you said, there's obviously a lot of. Uh, pressure there well to be honest for me personally not very um so we that we played that game maybe a saturday maybe um got home sunday um my first son was born on a tuesday night uh so i didn't i didn't train tuesday my wife uh was up in auckland hospital she she got induced at i don't know 10 in the morning something like that so um we ended up murph ended up arriving at about uh, 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. Um, so uh, I think we played the Friday night in, in Sydney. So I didn't train Tuesday, Wednesday, um, went and we travelled Thursday. Um, so it was a whirlwind week for me and um, yeah, wonderful week, birth of your first child. So um, yeah, it ended up being a really good week. Um, so I wasn't popular when I got home on, on Saturday and I've only been there for probably... 16 hours of his of his four days alive but you know, i'm grateful that i got to be there when he when he arrived and, um yeah it was a, a just a wonderful end of the week the, the way it all it all finished up yeah i was at that semi-final against the tigers oh yeah yeah um sitting at my a lot of my close mates are all tiger supporters so yeah they got me tickets in a tiger supporters bay i'm sitting there wearing my warriors gear i was quiet all game right up until the end um such an iconic victory in the club's history uh, what do you remember about that game in particular, and in particular that final try um, by Christian? Uh, so I remember about the game. I remember we got caned by the referees, I, I, and I don't know the penalty count or whatever, but I, I do remember coming off the field, you know, exhausted because it just felt like we'd done so much defence. Um, and those Tigers sides, they they used to like throwing the ball around a lot, you know. So um, you always you felt like you're always chasing against those those Tigers teams. Um, and then I guess we hung in um, until late enough. And yeah, that last try, a bit controversial, but um, you know, Chris, the, the freakish things, he was another guy that, that could do things that, that other guys couldn't um, and you know, was skillful enough to be able to pick that up and, and score the try. So yeah, a great end. Uh, and I guess one that probably 60 seconds earlier, we were thinking we were going to be packing <laughs> yeah. our bags and it was all over again. So um, yeah, no, it was uh, yeah, a wonderful that week. I think that game was the uh, debut of Waddy Holmwood, the uh, serial streaker as well. The guy. That... Oh yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Big fella. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, makes me feel better about myself by looking in the mirror naked. Yeah. <laughs>
Well, the, the following week, we travel to Melbourne and we mm. grind out one of the best wins in the club's history. Tell us your thoughts on that game and uh, your fantastic try assist in the first half. <laughs> Probably the only one I ever, ever threw. Um, yeah, again, yeah, we sort of go with Melbourne uh, to Melbourne with nothing to lose. Um, I guess no one expected us to, to even go close to them. It's you know one of the iconic Melbourne sides of all time. Um, you know, we we had the game that troubled Melbourne. I think we, um, you know, I always think they struggled against us to run the plays that they used to in the middle of the field because we had some really good middle defensive players. And, um, you know, I, I know that we used to do a lot of video work on their trick shots that, that Cameron Smith and Billy and Cooper Cronk had put on. Um, and, and we had some guys, uh, you know, that was obviously my job. Um, Aaron Heron was a wonderful middle defender. Russell Packer was fantastic. Um, you know, it, it's, it, we, we had the game that troubled them. So we were always sneakily confident when we went over there. And, um, we just saw if you stay in the fight long enough, you never know what can happen. Um, yeah, we, we ended up staying in the fight long enough. And uh, yeah, Shawnee sort of put Louis over right at the end and, and that sealed it. So, um, and Jimmy kicked the goal that put it out. And that's always great when you're, you know, in a finals game, when you're, you, you're home with a couple of minutes to go, you can't get beat. Um, it's a wonderful feeling. So, um, yeah, it was a, a, a great night and a, and a great trip home. And then a great week in, in Auckland before, I think we had to go back to Sydney on maybe a Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. So we had four days in Auckland before we went back over. Um, and I just, yeah, it was so good. Just, yeah, awesome. Really, really good, good time. I was going to ask, like qualifying for your first NRL grand final, describe those emotions and that whole week, that whole grand final week and what the atmosphere was like back in New Zealand. Mm. Uh, and then later in the week when you came across for the game. Yeah, for me personally, look, I probably knew the end was close for me. Um, and, and, and in hindsight, if we would have won that game, I reckon I would have retired then. Um, so just uh, I, I really valued it because, I, you know, I played 11 years in the NRL at that point, 11 seasons and had never got to one before. Um, so I knew how rare they were. And that's what I tried to get across to the rest of the guys. Um, and I guess, you know, one bloke that I haven't spoken about at all who, who's, you know... A, a, a bloke that I've, I've hardly got a higher opinion of anyone on the planet than Simon Mannering. Um, and, and Junior uh, was, you know, I was trying to, Junior and I are close and I just, that's what I, I tried to get across to him that week that, you know, he was young and he was going to be captain in an NRL grand final. And, and you know, you don't know, they don't come around often. So, you know, empty the tank, everything we do this week, let's do it as best we can and give ourselves no regrets about, um, you know, what, what we could have done better. So um, we did that. We threw ourselves into everything, into training and, um, you know, all the promo stuff we had to do. I remember that. We just enjoyed it. It wasn't a burden. We didn't look at it like a, a, an onerous task that was going to take us away from what our goal was. We just enjoyed the whole week. And, um, yeah, you know, I remember the, they have that sort of parade, grand final parade thing down at um, Darling Harbour. Um, it might have been the Thursday or Friday, maybe. And it, it, it's a circus. There's people down there grabbing you. It's like the red carpet at the Oscars that, that just... People you never see all year, and all of a sudden they want to they want to interview. Um, you know, before we got off the bus, we said, "Boys, enjoy this. You know, make sure that you, you know, you take your selfies and all that sort of stuff, and make sure that you're having fun this week because you just don't know when it's going to come around again." So, um, yeah. Apart from the result of the week, uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful week of my life. Yeah, I'll never forget it. It's it's good that it's good that you say you got to enjoy it a bit because we've spoken to a few guys from the 2002 team for the lead up into their grand final. We spoke to Jimmy Maloney a few weeks ago as well, obviously yep. about the 2011 grand final, and most of them kind of said that the week was a blur. 
like it just went by so fast. But it, it's good that you you said you were able to sort of sit back a little bit and, and take it in. Yeah, and I guess it only comes with being older and being experienced. And, um, you know, as I said, I probably knew subconsciously this was going to be the only one I ever played in because um, I knew that next year we were losing some players, we were losing a good coach. Um, you know, I just didn't know whether we were going to be as competitive in 2012 as what we were in 2011. And, um, you know, um, yeah, I've probably made a vow to myself that I was going to, going to enjoy it, whatever came at us that week. Um, you know, I think yeah, that... that I didn't feel tired when the game came around. A lot of people say that in their first grand final, they they feel buggered by the time you run out on the field just because you've used up all that energy. Um, I didn't feel that way. You know, I felt I felt great when when game time came, and um, yeah, we just ran into a better side that day um, in Manly. They just you know, played better than us and deserved the win. So um, yeah, disappointing end to what was a, a wonderful year. Yeah. Oh, was that that grand final, that 2011 grand final? Um... There was definitely more Warriors supporters than Manly supporters, that's for sure. And I think the fact that we had all three grades playing was yeah, 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 uh, yeah. contributed to that as well. Yeah. Um, leading up, like even at the Tigers game, we got to participate in a massive harker before the game. But mm. did you guys, were you guys aware that that was going on or was that something that you guys had no idea was happening? Yeah, no, no, no. We knew, we knew. Um, and uh, we're inside when it happened. We, we weren't out warming up. But, uh, yeah, we, we got mail that it was happening. Just... It's uh, it lifts the team. It lifts your spirits to know that you got that much support um, in the grandstands. And um, yeah, we it, you're right. There was more Warriors fans in the crowd that day because everyone hates Manly except if you're from Manly anyway. So if, if you barrack for any other team, you're a Warriors fan that day. Um, there's a photo on my mum and dad's wall of us. Um, lined up shoulder to shoulder for the anthems and um, you know just in the background it's almost a sea of black over in that eastern standard Olympic Park um, so yeah it was, it was wonderful it was such a good 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 day and good lead up and um, yeah as I said just couldn't couldn't um, come up with the, the result at the end. Do you have any memories of the game itself obviously being the first and only grand final you played anything that stands out to you from the actual game itself? Oh, I remember how quick it was. Um, it felt like the first, I think we scored, we kicked penalty goal was the first point scored. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think that was maybe 10 or 12 minutes in. and um, it, it just felt like that had been two sets of six, you know. Uh, and But what I do remember is that period before halftime where they went bang, bang. Um, yeah. And, and I've, I've only, I don't think I've ever watched that grand final in a full replay, but you see it from time to time, like in grand final weeks, I'll have it on and I'll sit there and watch that 10 minutes before halftime. And, you know, I guess now looking back, I'm a bit dirty at myself about a couple of things that, that I could have done that potentially would have changed the way that those plays unfolded, you know. So um, I guess, you know, you always got regrets about, things you've done in the game and what you could have done better um but uh it, it was yeah uh, yeah just the game was quick it was high quality from memory um and uh at the end of the day in the key moments manly were better and that's why they won yeah they're probably the form team of the compo year too yeah um yep. as we all know ivan cleary was moving on at the end of that 2011 season um how did you find him as a coach yeah, I loved Ive um, and still, you know, talked to him a couple of weeks ago, you know, when we'd gone through a rough trot here and uh, rang him for some advice on a few things. I just always found, you know, I know that uh, the media and um, people that don't know him well can uh, find Ivan a bit aloof at times maybe or, um, you yeah, know, not, not really engaging, but... Um, 
once you, you play for him and you earn his trust and earn his respect, there's no more loyal bloke on the planet um, than, than Ivan Cleary. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, I really valued, um, I guess, his loyalty and his calmness and um, his consistency. Um, you know, in the seven years or, or six years I played under him, I can only remember him really blowing up, like, you know, proper throwing the toys out of the cot only a couple of times. And, and I think that that's why as a team we became better and more consistent ourselves because we reflected that of, of our leader you know yeah. Um, and yeah I'm just so happy he's having the success that he is now that Penrith team they're three lengths ahead of any other uh, other side this year and, um, you know you see a lot of his coaching philosophies in, in how they play but they do you know they've got a a left edge full of rock stars and kick out on Luai and you know, those in Brian Tottle. But uh, the, the the way that they play and the control that they play with, that's Ivan all over it, you know. Um, so, I, you know, if, if we don't win the comp, I hope they do. Um, so just to, to you know, for, for him, he gets the reward that he's he's been chasing for so long. Yeah. Following the success of the 2011 season, there was obviously very high expectations with the club on the verge of something big. But unfortunately, our 2012 season, we finished 14th with an eight wins, 16 loss record. And Ivan had moved on, as you said, and, and Brian McLennan had been appointed head coach. What do you attribute the massive form slide to? Um, it's hard to put your finger on, on one thing in particular. Uh, Oh, I think, you know, Bluey definitely had a different philosophy um, to Ivan um, in his coaching style. And, um, yeah, I think a lot of it was around playing attractive, entertaining footy. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, what I do know now is that's awesome and that's how you win games. And that's what, you know, I love watching Penrith play because they're an entertaining team. But you've got to earn the right to do that first. You know, you can't go and and throw trick shots from play one in the NRL because it just doesn't work. You, you have to you have to go forward and you have to make your tackles and you have to um, you have to look for a vulnerability in your opposition before you you can go and, and do some of the things that um, we might have been trying to do a little bit early. Um, but yeah, I get we we lost a, a couple of players um, after that grand final as well, which always happens in a salary cap era. Um, that depth of the squad that I talked about earlier. Um, so I think after the 2011 season, um, yeah, those those second guys that backed us up so well in, in 2011, like a Jeremy Lattimore, um, Brett Seymour, um, Sean Berrigan, those type of guys, they all left. Um, which which made and and I understand now why it happened. Look, the, the Warriors had a gun under twenty system, and there was a lot of pressure there to make sure they kept signing those guys and make sure that they were still in the system. And that comes at the expense of of um, older, more experienced guys sometimes. And you know, maybe in hindsight, uh, had to be a bit more selective of, of who they kept from the older blokes and, and then who they brought up um, from the younger guys. So um, yeah, so it's not it's not down to one thing in particular. I just think a perfect storm um, happened and. Um, we didn't. We weren't. You know, we didn't deal with adversity that well. And you know, end of the year, we we finished at the bottom end of the ladder, which is disappointing. Yeah. Um, April 2012, you announced that that season, the 2012 season, is going to be your last. Mm. You only managed to play six games that season. Was that as a result of an injury? Yeah. So um, two injuries. Uh, I broke my hand in that 2011 grand final. Yep. Uh, so I went uh, and. I, I think 
maybe November-ish, or so it was a month after grand final, I had a plate put in um, the top here to try and anchor it all up. Uh, and then I, so that, that should have been right, should have recovered, um, I should have been right for round one. Um, because of that, I was modified training and was still doing all the, the con stuff, but I just wasn't landing on it in my hands. I was taking weight on my elbow. Just yep. for Christmas um, 2011, uh, we're doing a commando drill. So, you know, laying a line of three and jumping over and rolling under, uh, landed on my right elbow. And that um, collarbone that I talked about earlier, um, that had that piece taken out, the rest of it all ruptured. So um, it was... 22nd of December, 2011, I went in and had um, surgery, had an anchor put in. Um, they took a piece of my hamstring in uh, my left leg and tied my collarbone back to my scapula um, in that shoulder, had a bolt put through it to hold it. Um, so I've got a photo on Christmas day, um, 2011. So my son was what, three or four months old. Um, and I had Stu Walsh, who's a surgeon, uh, who did the surgery on my shoulder. He was around at our place Christmas morning, having breakfast, just checking, cleaning the wound. So I had an open wound on my shoulder with a bolt hanging out the end um, to try and fuse that all together. So uh, that was that. And then um, just about came good from that in, um, in, in sort of March. And then uh, had another contact injury and shattered the underneath of my wrist. So they went and put a plate underneath um, underneath the wrist. So, yeah, I, I don't think I, I didn't play a game until... Yeah, yeah, it was round 15. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, it was three, sort of two injuries that had three surgeries within the space of, of four months. Um, that was what, what kept me out. And that, that last, you know, I was never going to come right from my shoulder um, injury and still to this day, you know, there's things that I can't do. Um, and I, I just, you know, my son was going to turn one that year and I said if I want to be any part of these boys lives in an active uh, capacity when I when I'm in five six ten years time then this is it I've got to yeah, that's enough so um, yeah cool time and that was it looking back how do you remember your time at the club loved it loved it um, and I say that to uh, anyone that'll listen and even sometimes if they don't ask, I'll tell them anyway. Um, just, uh, you know, I've, I've said it a couple of times. I just felt so, I felt at home, you know. Um, I felt um, that, you know, to, not to get too philosophical, but the, they often talk about where you feel most comfortable and um, where, that's where's your happy place. And, you know, for me, that was always on a, at, on Mount Smart Stadium at a cold, wet Sunday afternoon in the middle of winter. Um, and, you know, that because I knew that when those conditions were there and we had teams come over, we were going to win because um, they didn't want to be there. And I just, you know, I used to wake up. We, we, we lived in Mount Eden. Um, the last uh, four years I was there and I'd, I'd wake up and look out. I live straight across the road from Eden Park um, and I'd look out the window of our bedroom and you'd look across and when the mist and the rain was coming down on a Sunday morning, I just used to wake up smiling because I knew, you know, we were a big chance that day. So, um I loved it, yeah, uh, and and still uh, when I go back there, so I was asked to go back for Simon's last game um, a couple of years back, and and then that presentation night um, where he was presented with with all these awards and all that sort of stuff, and um, yeah, just just made to feel so welcome whenever I'm around there, um, and even now that you know, I'm the enemy now, um, I work for another club, and um, you know, my my role this week is to is to try and be part of the plotting of the downfall of the Warriors this weekend, but still, you know, we'll get to the Central Coast on the weekend and, um, you know, there'll be five or six people that I'll go and give a cuddle to straight away just because, you know, I'm, 
had such good time there and um, loved it and had such good experiences with, with everyone there, you know. It was awesome. Well, mate, you're always remembered and spoken about with such admiration with by the Warriors faithful. You were such a tough and resilient performer and you absolutely epitomised what a warrior was. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You moved back to North Queensland, though, to take up the elite pathways position with the Cowboys. Was there ever an offer to continue in a coaching or wellness capacity at the Warriors? Uh, yeah, we, we never really got into it because I think, so when I retired, I, I really, I, I just about finished my uni um, degree uh, at AUT. Um, so I, I'd done a lot of my um, work placement out at uh, operations at Air New Zealand at the airport. Uh, and I fully intended to go into a role with those guys um, and was just about ready to, to finalise um, everything that, that we were doing and, and then got a call um, from our former chairman here at the Cowboys and uh, knew, knew what I'd done and knew what I'd done at uni and what I was thinking about doing. He said, you, have you got any uh, appetite to come home and, and try and, you know, we've got a bit of a drama in our, uh, in our pathways program at the moment. And, um, you know, you've been over in Auckland for, for seven years. You'd be a fresh set of eyes that could come in without any bias and um, put your lens across it. Um, and at that stage, so Murph, my oldest bloke, he just turned one. Uh, and uh, I, you know, he was getting to that age where you, if you wanted to go out and do anything, you'd have to pay someone to look after him. We had no family support over in Auckland. Had a great you know, network of friends and, and that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, I just I guess it was just at that point where I talked to um, TL, my wife, and I said, do you want to go home? She said, yep, yep. So uh, we sold up and, uh, and came home and um, yeah, started over here. Uh, in sort of December in 2012, which is, sounds like a long time ago now. Uh, and yeah, sort of worked in two different roles prior to the one that I'm in now. Um, and yeah, sort of, I guess, worked my way up, up the ladder a little bit. And um, yeah, now I'm, my, my title's head of football, uh, which means I, I sort of, I'm now accountable for everything that happens, um, you know, from a long-term and strategic um position in our in our football program so it's exciting um it's uh uh it's i've got to say the last month it's been a baptism of fire um because you know i guess toddy payton's over here a lot of you guys know from his time over in auckland um yep. and we knew we probably had a bit of work to do um but I, I think it just came at us really quickly over the last month or so um so uh but yeah i'm, I'm stoked with the group we've got here um, we've got a really, really good young roster um, and our job now is to put the, the resources around those guys to make sure that they, they excel um, and, you know, I'm going to use all the lessons that I've learned over, over uh, my time in the game and certainly, you know, that, that period I spent in New Zealand to, to try and make sure that happens right. I'm glad I could be that uh, good luck charm for you at the Tigers game, mate. <laughs> Changed all your fortunes. Um, yeah, yeah we, I, I'll say for people that don't know, uh, yeah, we, we hadn't won a game. And then um, at Leichhardt three weeks ago, um, Hammer came up and introduced himself and asked, did I want to be on the podcast? And I, I, I said yes. And we haven't lost one since. So, um, Not to mention, I, done... too, I, I did, they, uh, the Cowboys hadn't been told by the NRL that. Oh, yeah. the Central Coast, at that stage, they still thought it was... Um, we're going to Tamworth. We're going Tamworth, to Tamworth yeah. on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, that, I should have kept honestly, my mouth shut. If, if we wouldn't have said that, I probably would have still been planning to go to Tamworth this week. We would have got a forfeit from it, so that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, oh. yeah, no, it's been, a, it's been a, a fun ride. Yeah, it's been awesome. 
I'm going to um, I'm just going to scroll through some of the comments from the people and Rob, you can ask. Yeah, well, while that happens, Michael, I'm going to ask you a few questions that we ask all our guests on the show. Um, who was your toughest teammate? Oh, no question. Simon Mannering. Um, you know, he came in as a kid uh, and did things just superhuman um, right from the get-go as a, as a 19, 20, 21-year-old. Would play with injuries now that seasoned veterans wouldn't um, you know, play with the illness, play, you know, Unbelievable, absolute Iron Man. Um, you know, if you, if you had twenty-five blokes like him on your roster, you'd never lose a game. So, yep, no, no question. We've got the best sledger, Nathan Fiend. Nathan um, Fiend, yep. Yep. Uh, wow. Yeah, uh, I, I play, actually played with a guy named Chris Shepherd early in my career. Yeah. Um, that I saw uh, one night we were playing a reserve grade game, and he had the opposition front row in tears because he was just relentless, just attacked him the whole game. Um, anytime he'd go to feed a scrum, he'd be into him. So, um, Shep was pretty good. Nathan Feeney was cheeky. Um, and Feeney would do his homework. He'd be, he'd be pretty clued up on um, if a guy had a, had a weakness around their personal life or, um, oh. yeah, Feeney would get personal. So, uh, it's someone <laughs> you want to bash, but you just have to get hold of the bugger. Biggest pest? Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that a lot of people from my era would say James Maloney. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember one day, Ivan um, was in the middle of, I guess it, it might have been a run where we were going okay or an important stretch of games, and Jimmy was just a dickhead. Um, we were sitting in a, in a meeting room trying to watch video, and Ivan said, "Jimmy, can you just go on your phone and go outside for a little while? Just give us some peace and quiet." So in the middle of a game planning meeting, I've sent Jimmy outside because he was too disruptive. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, from what I've heard over in France he's still exactly the same right now <laughs> hasn't so, changed yep. no, hasn't changed at all yeah. toughest opponent yeah that's an interesting one I guess um, for me the I would rate the toughest guys the smarter guys um, you know the, Big guys are big, and you know you throw your body in front of them, they trip over you. Um, you know the quick guys, you just have to try and stay with them. If they beat you for speed, they beat you for speed. The ones that I always who I would always consider my my toughest opponents are your smart ones. So you know Cameron Smith, I guess. You know all the hookers that sort of were part of that group that changed the way hookers played. So um, Aaron Payne up here, um, Robbie Farah. Um, Cameron Smith, those type of guys that could beat you with speed, but beat you with smarts as well. Um, and I, I, uh, I feared playing those guys, but also loved it because the preparation you do that week, I'd sit watching videotape for, you know, an hour on what they did and all their different tricks. And, um, you know, you, you try and outsmart them defensively before they could come at you with attack. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I love those weeks, um, which sounds Interesting, I guess, if you're saying the, the toughest opponent that you also love playing against, that we always had a ball preparing to play those guys. What about the best trainer? Uh, probably Wiring Corpu. Um, oh, yeah, why yeah, was yeah, a, a freak could could do things that um, yeah was good at distance running, was strong, was quick. Um, was uh, you know a good swimmer, all, all those sort of things. It was just whatever he did, he was good at it. So he'd be at the front or near the front of the pack in anything he did. So um, yeah, why was a good good benchmark to work off for whatever you were doing. Have you seen him recently? Uh, I've seen him on TV. Yeah, he still looks reasonable. He looks good, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Still works out quite a bit. Him and Ruben, yeah. they're getting younger the older they get. Yeah, I know. Benjamin Button, yeah, both of them. <laughs> um, no, it's good. Good to see him still looking good. Team comedian. Oh, I always liked, I liked, um, we haven't spoken about this yet, but after a game when, when we used to have a carver session, you know, um, and you get, uh, so Rubes would mix up a bowl and then, because um, I, I hated carver, it tastes dirt, um, but I'd, I'd sit there and go and get a couple of cans of rum and coke or whatever um, and sit there and just have a laugh with with those boys. And, you know, Manu was always life of the party, um, just such a, a funny guy. He's got an infectious sense of humour, an infectious smile. And, um, yeah, I love I loved those times after games where we'd sit down in the team room at a hotel somewhere and, um, yeah, the boys would mix up the carver and then we'd, uh, after that, we'd, we'd sit down and have some funny nights there yeah, for sure. Manu was at the centre of that. Yeah. Okay, a couple of questions from the people watching. Um, are you still a Hardy Warriors supporter? Uh, well, I, I love the Warriors. Um, and I, I'll, I'll say this without fear or favour. Roger Tuivasa Shek's my favourite player in the comp. I love watching him play. Um, you know, when, when oh, Toddy and I have known each other for, for a long time, and um, when he was coaching him last year, I'd text him after every game and just say, mate, You've got a superstar there, and and the game's so much poorer for his his loss next year. Um, I, I love watching the enthusiasm, the intent that he plays the game with um, in attack and defence. He just, a, yeah, my favourite player of, of recent times. I love him. I think he's so, such a good player. Uh, what do you think about Lockie Burr? And the person that's asking that is my housemate who used to be Lockie Burr's coach when he was. Uh, oh really? Yeah. So I was Lockie Burr grew up playing at the club that we were at. Yeah, right. Um, so Burry came up here, Toddy, Toddy Boy, mate. We only had run, one roster spot to fill by the time Toddy was a coach. Uh, and he chose to bring Burry with him. And he chose Burry for uh, his attitude and his work ethic and um, just, I guess, his 1% efforts um, on the field. Um, honestly, Burry struggled a bit when he first came up. The heat really got to him. Um, and he had some sessions in the preseason where he was cooked. Um, and we had to go easy on him a little bit. But he's now um, sort of found his feet. And I think he, he was he was great for us last week. He started at lock um, against Canberra, who were a big pack, and yeah, did, did some wonderful things in the fence. So he's going good. He's going good. He's uh, a disrupted year for him last year where um, he was in Australia. And you know, his gear was in New Zealand. I think his, his partner, Matty, was in New Zealand for a little while. Yep. Yeah, he's now found his feet. He's doing really well. Good bloke. Yeah, he is. Um, did you have any pre-game rituals or a game day routine that you used to go through? Not really. I'm, I'm pretty low maintenance. Um, and I'll look at what guys do now. And, and it's I guess only since I, I come into my role now, I'm in charge of budgets and all that sort of stuff. And I'll look at, you know, guys going and spray themselves with that sticky stuff all over their hands. And I, I never used to really worry about that. And now I know how much a can of that costs. So I start taking it off them. <laughs> Boys don't, don't do it. It's 15 bucks a can. Um, yeah, no, not really. Um, as long as I, you know, I had a, a decent feed um, the night before. Um, I used to often go to a place when we had home games in Auckland, um, a place on, uh, I think it's Victoria Street, straight across from the casino, a um, little Italian place. And we used to go there. I forget what it's called, but uh, yeah, we'd go there. Um, nearly every every Saturday night if we were playing a Sunday game and, and have a big pasta meal and I'd go to bed with a big feed of spaghetti in my belly and um, yeah game day I was not a high performance athlete I had half a dozen cu cups of coffee and you know dry biscuit and um, you know a litre of water and that'd do me um, yeah but no not, nothing quirky or anything like that no
spirit of champions. Yeah. Um, watched the bloke in a bar interviewing the cheese. Just wondering how cl- close did the Cowboys come to getting him up at council? Oh, Brandon. Um, so Brandon was here. Um, yeah, it, it's tricky, eh? Uh, so that the year Brandon left, uh, I think, was after the 16 season. Um, so at that stage, we had a, a premiership wing hooker in Jake Granville. Yep. And uh, we had a guy that uh, was a year older than Brandon that had, was Queensland Cup Player of the Year as a 20-year-old. His name Josh Chudley. Um, so we had two really good hookers. Um, Jake Granville was signed long-term. Um, yep. And I guess at the time, uh, the club opted to go with uh, the one that was proven at, at open age level in, in Chuds rather than Brandon, who at that stage had only played um, against his own age group. And, and at that stage, you know, Chuds uh, was player of the year for the Cowboys NYC team in 15, maybe, um, and then went and you know, dominated Queensland Cup as a 20-year-old. Uh, and so you know, I guess that, that's the other thing I've learned. Um, is that recruitment is is an art, not a science, and you can use all the data and all the stats and everything you want, but um, you, know, you, you could sign the best player in the world and tomorrow he can go and do his knee uh, and then, you know, he doesn't have that spark again or, you know, um, yep. someone wants, you know, they, they can be great when they're on their own, they get married and their personal life's not great and they sort of fall off a cliff and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, we had, Brandon was a, a Cowboys junior um, or at least from Waihee Island. Um, he but, doesn't hide the fact he was a bit of a rat bag too when he was oh. up Ordinary kid at times. Um, yeah, but, but a lot, you know, well, I, when, when people ask me about Brandon, because I managed him um, when he was a, a 20s player, uh, and they say, um, you know, would you have Brandon back in your team? I'd say every day of the week. He's got my two favourite characteristics of um, what I think it takes to be a really competitive NRL middle forward is that he's blind loyal and he's violent. Um, so the two things that, um, you know, I just love about him, he's so combative and, um, you know, once once he's bought into what you're doing, you know, he'll almost die for his cause. So I love him. I'm so glad that he's playing well. Just proud of his um, premierships and sorted his life out and, you know, he's going well. He's, his brother played up there too, didn't he? Yeah, Dylan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's a couple of years older. Um, I don't know where Dylan is now. I think yeah. he was down in Brisbane for a little while. Um yeah, but yeah, he, he was good. He's a front rower. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think that's Brandon sort of getting that body shape now. As he gets older, he'll get bigger and bigger. And um, he's going to have to work hard to make sure his discipline's right to to, um, to stay as quick and agile as what he is and, and making him so good at the moment. Yeah. Um, who were your heroes growing up? Yeah, whether it be just personal heroes or NRL heroes? Oh, you know, I, I love the old Balmain sides and the old Penrith sides back in the day. So I, I probably started watching footy seriously when I was, um, you know, eight or nine years old. And, but that was, you know, the glory days of those two teams, 88 um, Balmain one, 89 yeah. Penrith one. Um, so I love those those big sort of rangy fours like Paul Searin and, um, and, and uh, Johnny Cartwright and those type of guys. Um, so that's from a footy perspective, but yeah, honestly, and this is sound corny, but my dad was always my hero. Um, yeah, dad uh, was yep. didn't have a great up or privileged upbringing. He was from a farm, and you know he left school at year nine or year ten, and um, went and helped my granddad work on the farm. And he's basically you know scrimped and saved and battled for every every cent he's ever earned, and um, he did that. I know now to provide for me and my brother, um, and we we had all of the 
it, we had everything we could ever want growing up. You know, we, we weren't spoiled kids, but we didn't go without anything. And um, now, I, I, you know, I loved him and I respect him for it back then. And I, I, I even more so today that um, I'm a father myself and I know um, how, how tough it is and how much you get pulled around um, trying to make sure that your kids are okay. And, you know, dad always did that for us. And, um, never, never said a, a harsh word um, about having to do it. So, um, yeah, they, Absolutely, he's a bloke that I look up to probably more than anyone else. Mate, I'm the same. My dad's still my hero. Yeah. Um, Caden Rogers, this was your best guest so far. Very well spoken and articulate. Oh yes. Can you give us a rundown? <laughs> oh, can you give us a rundown of the jerseys you're both wearing? Oh, I'm wearing the uh, the beautiful flag jersey from 2011. 2011, yeah, yeah. And uh, we've got the uh, Auckland. Uh, 30 year commemorative strip that we wore um, in a game in 2007 where we yeah. uh, played Manly, celebrating yeah. 30 years of the Auckland um, provincial side winning over Great Britain, England, New, uh, Great Britain, France, and Australia, I believe. So, yes, yeah. yeah, so I believe you played in that game as well. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We won that game, I think. Yeah, we um, did. From memory, yeah. yeah. It's a good day. Yeah, had a great win that day. Yeah. yeah. Three more questions for you, mate. Um, right. Most mem memorable moment in your career? Oh, the night, um, the night we beat the Roosters, two thousand eight, at Mount Smart. Um, yep. it's unbelievable. It was like we were, you know, like we were going to a rock concert. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, still, you know, get tingles thinking about it now. We we drove because we used to go. We used to meet at the stadium and then we'd go over to the race course at Ellerslie um, and just have something to eat and chill out for a couple of hours. Then we'd get the bus back to the stadium. You drive down um, Great South Road uh, and, and turn in there. Um, yeah, just I remember coming up over the hill and you just you know because by it was night time and you can see the lights um, that give the glow out of the volcanic crater and uh, you you see people walking for miles around all in black. It was unreal. So good. Yeah. What Great are your night. thoughts on the six again rule? <laughs> I wish I was uh, involved with a side that didn't give away so many of them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's no doubt it's made the game quicker. Um, and uh, last weekend, geez, I reckon our blokes gave away half a dozen in the first half. And, and when you're up against it, and it just seems that it's not like quicksand. If you give one away and you give another one away, then you guarantee you're going to give a third one away um, for, for any infringement. So I don't know. I, I like I like the speed of the game and I like how now that teams are starting to try and, you know, working it out, how everyone understands what they've got to do defensively to counter it um, when you do give one up. But um, yeah, I just don't know when's it, like, I don't want to pretend to touch, you know, there's still got to be a place for the big bloke in the game. And yep. I think that um, this is, this is putting the, you know, the, the funeral hymns are going for, for the big, big, big guys now. So um, yeah, I think there's got to be a bit of balance there somewhere. I, I don't expect you to comment because you're employed by the NRL, so you probably can't. But for me, I just think there's too much inconsistency with it, um, personally. Like, you see some teams get better calls than others, and that's all I'll say on that. Um, I won't comment on that. <laughs> no, I no, don't want you to. Uh, final question, mate. If you hadn't become an NRL player, what career path do you think you would have gone into? Um, good question. Uh so, uh, yeah, I guess if I would have stayed here in Townsville, um, I guess the guys now, so I'm, I'm 39 this year, uh, all the guys in and around my age, they're all 
they've all got their own businesses or they're involved in, you know, they're sort of in that step where they're now middle managers in business. So, um, yeah, a couple of guys that I went to school with got involved in construction straight out of school uh, and they were they were chippies and you know, um, block layers and that. And now they've gone and got the formed their own companies and that sort of stuff. So, honestly, I probably would have went down that path. Um, yep. There's in North Queensland, not to go too deep into it, but there's money to be made from, um, you know, we've got big defence, big government contracts, big mining contracts everywhere. So um, there's a lot of people doing pretty well out of that up here at the moment. I reckon I probably would have fallen into that in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Well, mate, um, if you had gone after that, the same way you did uh, on the field wearing our wonderful Warriors jersey, it would have been nothing but a success, I'm sure. I appreciate it. Mate, we want to thank you very much for coming on, chatting with us. Um, I know you've got a young family and, you know, to take a, a time out of your, your busy schedule, um, we really do appreciate it. As Rob said before, you've always been remembered as one of the greats of the, the Warriors organisation and we, um, we always talk about you fondly. Uh, I wish you luck on the weekend. Uh, not too much, though. I, I hope you only lose by two points. <laughs> uh, I'll be up there, mate, so come and say hello. Yeah, um, we'll do. Yeah. Uh, uh, thanks guys I appreciate the opportunity and um, yeah as I said there's some of the things that we talked about that I haven't thought about for a long time so yeah it's been good we enjoyed it nice thanks mate appreciate right, it mate. easy bye guys we'll do thanks so, a lot good night, thanks, Michael. cheers Michael thanks bye 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 oh, another great chat with another Warriors legend and so many stories just keep coming out of it all doesn't it I know, yeah. It's uh, it's amazing how you know us as fans think we we know the ins and outs of yeah. some of the things that have gone on in the past, and and we just get a, a fresh perspective from uh, someone who was there and someone who played. And yeah, um, uh, but again, he's legend. he's always been, yeah. yeah, he's always been one of those guys that you know has always featured in um, in you know Warriors teams. Yeah, uh, definitely you know, the greatest of all time, and he was in ours, uh, both of us. Yeah, definitely. Um, sure was. Yeah, one of the first guys picked. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, I mean, he was a hard man to to get hold of because he doesn't have any social media or um or presence or anything like that. So, uh, I to get hold of him, I, basically, as he said, I I saw him at Leichhardt Oval when the Tigers were playing the Cowboys a couple of weeks back, and um. He was on the field and I was up on the concourse and I've kind of waved to him and got his attention. Some great recruitment up, there. Yeah. <laughs> up and had a bit of a bit of a chat to him, told him who I was and what we do. And yeah, he was he had nothing but great things to say about the club and he was more than happy to come on and have a chat with us. So um, yeah, it was great to to connect with him, uh, get him on the show and, and get some thoughts and, and some stories from him. Yeah, sure was. Otherwise, we'll be back tomorrow night to unpack that round seven game against the storm there's plenty to talk about there uh good and bad so join us tomorrow night the usual time of 7 30 and we'll get stuck into all of that and you also your preview for round eight correct uh thanks everyone for joining in thanks for putting your comments up and joining in the conversation and uh we look forward to seeing you tomorrow night awesome cheers guys cheers guys thanks a lot